Hi everybody, it's Joey Remini here from seekingbalance.com.au. I'm absolutely delighted to have an interview today with Meg Welchman and I want to welcome to the call. So thanks for your time and welcome to the Seeking Balance community. Thanks Joey, so good to be here with you. So Meg and I met actually on a writer's retreat. As many of you know, I'm writing a book which is now finished in its first draft form and we met while I was writing that book and Meg is a published author. And I really wanted to bring Meg onto the call to talk about her journey. She's an incredible healer. She can give you a bunch of 101s about how to heal. Meg is not only healed, and we're going to talk about that a bit later on, but she's an author, she's a publisher, she's a musician, and she's a psychologist for Relationships Australia, based in Brisbane, Queensland, which is the top end of our beautiful country. And Meg and I connected in particular on mindfulness. And this book that you very beautifully gifted me, this present moment, is honestly, it's one of the most beautiful, easy to follow kind of interactive books I have ever seen. I absolutely love it. And I would just love you to share with people what inspired you to write this book and talk us through a little bit about all the juice inside of here. Thanks, Joey. Yeah, well, for me, that book came from a place within that was just bursting to come out so you can tell <laughs> first of all um, with the book even with the front cover it's an act of love so the front cover shows some beautiful flowers that were actually picked by Grace Kuehl who's my cousin who did all the beautiful mandalas that are drawn within the, the pages mm. and the whole message of that book is you found yourself in a place you really don't want to be in with some difficult circumstances, a difficult relationship, a, a heartbreak, a diagnosis, a hole basically. And this is a way to find yourself a little bit of peace to get perhaps a little bit further away from that hole and just to be able to integrate some of the important things you need to know about getting through difficulty. So it, it was something that I had to write because it was healing me as I wrote it. Mm. So... When I talk, you can then see the camera on me. And so they're the beautiful flowers that Meg's referring to. And there's all these gorgeous mandalas all the way through the book as well, which just provide a little bit of artistic relief. There's gorgeous quotes from inspiring people. And there's all these different topics that you've covered. So mindfulness, for those of you who are a little bit unsure of it, is really about having a non-judgmental or unbiased perception of the present moment here and now. Anyone can do it. Children naturally do it. Adults can relearn to do it. And when we're truly in our present moment, we're able to use neuroplasticity. We're able to guide our body to fire neurons in places we choose to fire them. So it really is game-changing and life-changing. Neuroplasticity um, really couldn't happen without mindfulness. So they, they, they do work together. That's not true. You can have neuroplasticity that's subconscious, but sometimes it's changing things in ways we don't want. So part of conscious neuroplasticity is learning mindfulness. And I wanted to just bring, look at your table of contents here because you cover so many gorgeous topics. And I'd love you to talk about how you, um, how you came to them. Mm -hmm. So you talk about breath, love, faith, hope, vulnerability, kindness, grounding, movement, gratitude, acceptance, restraint, connection, compassion, awakening, creativity, joy, dream, music, courage, and resilience. 
So you get little juicy bits of how to's in each of those topics throughout the whole book, which I just found super useful. But do you want to pick one or two of those and just talk about your process? And also we haven't even spoken about your journey. If you want to introduce what was the hole you were in yes, and how have you continued to manage navigating out of that hole? Cause I think that's really important. Okay. So the hole was a big black hole. And yep. basically I just had the family that I'd always dreamed of. I've mm. had a very difficult time um, trying to have uh, babies mm. and was, I had gone through this whole process of IVF for both my son who was two and my daughter who was just born at four months. So we finally got the, the beautiful family that my husband and I were working on, <laughs> basically our dream. Mm. And around just after my second, my child, my daughter was born, suddenly I'm thrown into this pit of despair. Mm. I'm diagnosed with aggressive breast cancer and I'm told that, you know, I'm very lucky to be alive um, at the time of diagnosis. So I've gone from pretty much, you know, finally everything's falling into place to, oh my God, you know, complete um, traction, everything's stopped. Mm. So the book was really a response for me to heal around, okay, so I'm here now. I'm in the worst possible place I could ever dream of and how am I going to pick myself back up? Mm. And the themes you mentioned, um, I deliberately chose the first one, breath, to, to open the book because when you're in that hole and that pit of despair, what have you got? You know, I, I remember sitting with my husband and we were basically just holding each other on the, on the carpet and I was looking around my house thinking, you know, I've got all this stuff. We've built this life, this house. And it was that moment of, I always knew that things, you know, were um, tangential, that things would come and go. But it's the difference between um, knowing that and feeling that. And suddenly I really felt how impermanent life was. And as a psychologist, you know, I had a lot of tools that I had helped other people with to help them move forward. And I needed to dig deep and use those in myself. And the first thing was about the breath. How do I make um, these horrible, terrible, deep, dark moments? How can I get through those? Mm. And you just start with one breath, one breath, one breath, in and out. Mm. And it was just that slow kind of uphill moment. But it was still, it was slow, but it was uphill. So things were starting to get better once I could get my mind in that space. Yeah, and a lot of the time in our lives, we are living in the past or the future. We're either ruminating on what has happened and why, 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 yes. or we're thinking, what if, what if, what if, you know, it's going to get worse and we catastrophize and we futurize and Absolutely. dropping into the present moment, the body guides us because the body doesn't lie and you can't touch your body or you can't breathe yesterday or tomorrow. It forces you into the present moment and gives us something that we can really touch yes. and be in touch with. Yes. And while that can sound like mumbo jumbo at first, it really is healing. It shifts the brain. It shifts the way our nervous system operates. It helps us to gain perspective, emotional regulation, and of course, to enable us to have neuroplasticity, to cultivate our desires, our joys, despite potential catastrophes, chaos, or dramas in the outer world. We can regain a sense of control and connection to our inner world. Yes. Do you want to speak? I, I talk for hours literally on joy. Like people who are on my YouTube channel will just hear it all the time. Right. Can you talk me through that for you? What was the importance of contacting joy again, actively finding joy and really using that as your radar towards recovery? Because look at you now. I mean, you've 
only told a tiny piece of your story, but how was joy important in that process? Joy was everything because basically what I found was I had lost so much. So I needed to start looking at what I could start to regain. Mm. And um, it just, that whole sense of what can I control, what you mentioned before was, yes, I can control my breath. Mm. Yes, I can look at a situation that seems incredibly bleak, and it is for so many people, but you can't be 100% bleak all of the time. You know, life continues on. And I'm looking at my two children and their faces and the fact that they don't have time for their mum to be, you know, worrying about the future. They're right in the moment. Mm. And so the little sparks of joy were all there. Things like just going down to the park and swinging um, with the kids, you know, swinging on the swing. Um, having a moment with my husband, just staring into his eyes you know mm. moments like that they didn't have to be grand gestures but mm. for me they just really anchored that feeling of I'm here now I have this moment and I'll always have this moment and people might say you're dying but I'm not until I'm dead I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. living <laughs> I love that and every time we're breathing it's a reminder we're alive absolutely and I think in the book from memory, this might be in the vulnerability section. I wanted to bring this up a little bit because it's so relevant. I think you mentioned something about kind of going, oh my God, I'm kind of going to be that person who needs someone to cook the meals or needs help with lifts of dropping kids off at school. And, you know, and that, that feeling of, I really don't want to ask for help or be in that pity situation. Mm -hmm. How can I shift this around? You speak about meeting vulnerability. And I think that it even ties in with joy because when we can allow ourselves to receive that meal, someone's dropped off and to see the joy in that and the human connection and the friendships and be in that place of loving receptivity, it just shifts it all out of the shame. So do you want to speak a little bit about, about that for yourself? Yes, I was, and I still am, fiercely independent. So most of my life, it was, I'm the third born and I was always trying to prove myself. So I can do this, I can do this. Mm. I actually that with my daughter now. Our first words were, Ivy, do it. <laughs> I can do it. My name's Ivy. So for me, it's this real strong streak of, I want to be in control. I want to cover every base. And so having something like cancer, it really is saying, actually, you can allow that space to open up you can allow those beautiful that beautiful community that were around me and continue to be around me and still support me now 10 years later um, you can allow that to happen and I remember crying the first time I had to ask somebody to help me um, to pick up the children because I was just so tired from chemotherapy mm. and I was crying through asking my neighbor and she looked at me and she said you're finding this hard but you just need to let go oh. and it was like <laughs> It was just that, and I still feel it now, just that mm. incredible release. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't always have to know everything, why everything's happening. You just have to go with it and allow other people to be part of your, your journey. And it's also, I almost feel like I can see you on the couch just being like, my mind is telling me to go pick up the kids, but my body is telling me right now your job is to be on the couch. Yes. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's feeling. That's right. That's such a big change from somebody that's always, you know, achieving, doing. Go, 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 go. Absolutely. So I I want you to share with everyone what you were telling me about the 10-year vision because mindset matters and actually having a hope, like hopefulness to know that there is a future and there is somewhere to go to is absolutely essential for healing, recovery and neuroplasticity. 
doesn't matter what your diagnosis is. Having hope and this mindset of I'm going to be that outlier. I'm going to be that one in a million people who actually gets through this. Talk about that because you did have a really extreme diagnosis and you kind of had to prove everyone wrong. Yes. And I really was hunting around for people that were still alive, you know, um, with secondary cancer. And this, I was diagnosed in 2010. Mm. So I was looking around and there wasn't a lot of great stories, to be honest. Um, and Before you go on, can you just explain what secondary cancer is yes, for people absolutely. who might not follow? Yeah. So, um, you know, generally the health um, prevention message is early detection is best. Yeah. For me, I was breastfeeding my, my beautiful newborn and I thought that lumps that were in my breast were mastitis, um, which mm. unfortunately does happen to some women uh, and happened to me. It wasn't mastitis, um, it was cancer and it was really aggressive cancer that had spread not just from my breast but it had moved through my lymph nodes, through the bloodstream and had lodged really badly in my liver. Mm. And my doctor at the time said, if you held up a piece of Swiss cheese, that's what my liver looked like. It was covered in spots of cancer. Oh, wow. So, you know, I'm lucky to be here. I mean, I could say, you know, this is it, my life's over. But in fact, having cancer, you know, I had that warning system. I was given a second life in some ways. And mm. to be honest, you know, that was the first time I've actually had it four more times. So mm. each time somewhere different and I'm still here. Um, so when I was given that, that diagnosis, it was diagnosis, sorry, it was incredibly bleak um, so it, my natural response is hope and you mentioned hope before and I was just thinking I know there's got to be some other people that I can model myself on because mm -hmm. doctors can give you statistics but they can't tell you what's going to happen to you so for me all I needed was my doctor to say there's a lady who has breast cancer she's on the same drug as you and she is now at 10 years Mm -hmm. And she, he only mentioned one, and I don't know if there were more, if that was just the outlier, but I just said, well, that's it. I'm definitely getting to 10 years. There is no other option. Mm. And so now, you know, I'm, I'm just up to 10 years next month. So it's pretty Congratulations. amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Um, have you got a planned celebration yet? <laughs> well, we've just come back from a two-week cruise with my family, with my mum, my brother, sister, and my husband, Simon, and the kids. Mm. And... That to me is, is the real celebration. Mm. Um, my beautiful mum planned the whole trip. She also um, has breast cancer or she had breast cancer yeah. uh, after me, which was, I think, harder than for me having it. I, it was difficult seeing her go through that. Mm. So for us to have that celebration this year is, you know, it's a dream. Amazing. Mm. And so what is, now that you've reached your 10-year goal, you've gotten through the first aggressive breast cancer and then you've had secondaries, you said, twice in your liver, once in the lungs. Yep, and once and just you, in my lymph nodes as well. Which was yeah, amazing. and so you've just kept on again and again going through the chemotherapy. Um, I know there has been neuroplasticity research that John Kabat-Zinn's reported on where people who were mindfully involved in their healing process and drug treatments actually healed four times quicker than those that were not. I'm not so surprised. <laughs> the example he used was um, people with psoriasis, so a skin disorder, and they had to have light treatment. Mm -hmm. The patients that were actually trained in mindfulness and had audio meditations in their light booths, visualizing the skin healing, they healed four times quicker than people who had no mindfulness and just went to treatments and went home again. Yeah. 
So connecting the mind and the body does seem to have an incredibly powerful boosting effect. You like supercharge the healing. Mm. What is your next goal for yourself for your next two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever. And how are you going to support yourself to get there? This is the how. Well, I'm not going to underestimate medical science because amazing medicines come out all the time. And at the moment I'm on a clinical trial and that's completely cleared my secondaries, which appeared in my lungs again last year, Wow! Uh, which is amazing because I can sing again because I'm in a band and I'm in a choir as well, which I love. So being able to sing and breathe freely again. Wow. What an amazing experience that is. Um, <laughs> we take it for granted. <laughs> Far out. Um, so I think, you know, the 10 years coming forth, forward, um, my goal is to put out an album with my band. Great. Things that I've done in the last 10 years since having cancer, I've done much more <laughs> than I've done prior to that in a creative way. So um, continuing to be creative, perhaps another book, which I'm, I've started working on, yeah. um, which is where I met you at the Gunners Writers Masterclass. Um, so that's something I'm looking forward to. And also just seeing the kids, you know, grow older. My son is now, Ruben, his name is, he's now in year six. Mm -hmm. My daughter, Ivy, is now in year four. They are fantastic reminders about why I'm here and why I continue to be here. Mm. Simon and I, you know, we're in a band together and it's just, that's just heavenly. So, you know, there's so many creative things I'm looking forward to continue to do and to, you know, reach further. Yeah. And you know what I love about this is it feels like you're kind of a pro now. Like, you know, you're, you're all over the healing process and what it means to be in inverted commas sick or unwell or out of the ordinary. And it's really nice to hear how your language is not kind of covered in symptomatology. Because no. so many people fall into that trap of all of life being about avoiding symptoms, talking about symptoms, getting rid of symptoms, medicating symptoms, using devices, distracting, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that just keeps the whole neurology trapped. And when we can draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, I want to release an album, it takes everything on a whole new journey. And there is something very healing and giving yourself that freedom to break out of the I'm sick cycle and into the I can be a creative human being cycle with the health I have. And I feel like you role model that just absolutely beautifully. Um, and if you were to sit back and I'm sure you've done this, but if you were to sit back and reflect on the wisdom in this, so the kind of spiritual aspect of why does this happen to me, which is a question a lot of people are facing, have you been able to find peace with where you sit in what your body's communicating to you and what the wisdom is in that? So why is this cancer in my body again? Yes. So for me, when I started writing, I was looking at what big themes are there to help us through things like adversity and I kept coming back to these three C's and it was not the big C not cancer obviously but through <laughs> cancer I'd come across the three most important things in my life which were creativity connection and courage yeah. and they're three beautiful themes that I've put in the book and I think we all need a little bit of those to get us going and keep us going Absolutely. I, I mean, it's just, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me the amount of people I see go through this healing process and come out with a better life, as in more connected and aligned with their heart, creating more, deepening their relationships, just jumping more and more hurdles that leave the symptoms way behind. And I feel like for those of you out there who feel helpless, hopeless, or stuck, 
that's okay. That's where you are right now. Keep finding people that inspire you. Find that one person that got to the 10 year diagnosis, find a way to be inspired, to have hope. And I hate to shamelessly plug your book, but get yourself things like these book, a book, this present moment where you can journal, you can connect to your gratitudes, you can doodle, you can get in touch with creativity in a really simple and safe way. Um, Meg really generously describes her personal journey. It almost feels like reading a diary mm. in, a, in a really human way, which I think is a real gift. And for those of you, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can actually buy this online. So it's purplecordspress.com, is that right? Dot au. And it's cords as in corduroy pants. So it's purple cords, C-O-R-D-S, cords, purplecordspress.com.au. I'm going to pop a link to that underneath this video and this podcast. But I really do feel like we don't need to do it alone. There's so much out there in the world. There's so many inspiring people that have already done it. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. We all have our own healing and our own journey, and that's unique, of course, but there are so many books and courses and resources and programs and options to help us break out of the hole little by little, one step at a time, one breath at a time. Yes. Do you have yeah. any do you have any parting words of kindness or wisdom or encouragement that you wish someone had have said to you ten years ago? I think you just nailed it on the head. Connection is the thing. You know, when you're vulnerable, you really need that person just to say, hey, I've made you a meal or I can look after your kids while you go to that x-ray appointment or whatever it is. And to be able to say, I'm okay with that. You know, I can, mm -hmm. I can let myself let that happen. Um, the other thing I guess I wanted people to say, you know, to me when I was first diagnosed was, uh, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's hope. And if I could finish with a quote from John Kabat-Zinn, which you mentioned yeah, before. absolutely. Um, this is the most beautiful quote, and it really helped me. You're standing at the corner of two streets, mm. the crossroads. One's called here and the other's called now. One thing you know, you've got a body and you've got breathing, so that's a wonderful place to start. Mm. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. You're just an inspiration. Thank you so much for taking time. I'm really pleased that we got to meet on that retreat and we met doing some mindfulness together, which was also another place we could connect. Yes. And can I say how much that really meant so much to meet you, to know your journey, but also some of the exercises you did on that retreat were just incredible. And I'd been working, you know, for over 20 years as a psychologist and a lot of time spent in positive psychology and mindfulness and just some of the exercises you did I hadn't come across before and I found them so powerful. So thank you. Oh, pleasure. A pleasure. And there's so many more. Neuroplasticity is endless because anything you feel is real, anything you want to feel is a legitimate goal and however you choose to get there is your neuroplasticity practice. So for all you folks listening, there is probably no manual or rule book or prescription or regime that's your how to heal, follow these steps. Undoubtedly, you're going to have to go a bit deeper within yourself and seek your desires. Know where you're heading. Have that mindset of I'm going to get here and then figure out the how. And it's with guidance and support and loving kindness that the how will come to you. So trust yourselves. Find hope if you don't have hope yet. Just go and find it. It's out there and you're not helpless. So if you think you're helpless, 
rally up a team to help you relearn that you are not helpless, you can be helped and the person you are looking for is you. So I'm Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. I specialize in vertigo and tinnitus. So for you folks out there who want some support, visit my website. There are loads of programs. We've got a super supportive Facebook group called Rocksteady for Vertigo and Tinnitus. And it's just totally heart opening all the stories people share in that group. So you're welcome to join. Thank you, Meg. Thanks, Joey. Thank you very much. I'll pop a link up. This present moment, purplecordspress.com.au. Do yourself a favour and grab this beautiful little nugget. Thank you. Great. So it's a bye for now.